we are in an infinite universe. We are specks in the, in the space of things. So how, how do we understand uh, what we actually control and what we don't control? In the Four Questions podcast, this idea that religion as a whole is sometimes boxed in to this idea of faith. And that religion is so much more uh, taking that time to intellectually stimulate yourself, to take that time to actually understand your purpose and value and how you impact the community. Faith is one of those. Taking time to understand your physical and emotional well-being, uh, your your love of family and friends. And you talk about how do you bring people close and who are those people and how do you uh, connect with those people. So how do we uh, help individuals understand that you can live a value religious life without necessarily calling it a specific dog? but connecting with it on such a bigger level. And I can look across the water and I can see the damn stadiums right there. And I am doing this slow burn. Like I feel the blood pulsing in my in my neck and my leg is tapping and my foot is tapping and I am just getting pissed off. And my buddy Marky goes, relax, it's the universe. Welcome to our very first Four Questions podcast. I'm Rabbi Adam Grossman, our host. And my name is Logan Peck, and I am the producer of the Four Questions podcast. So how did we get here? So we birthed this about three months ago. We went from not having any idea of how to build a podcast to ultimately now having a podcast studio located in Gainesville, Florida. Go Gators. (laughs) So... The, the point of this podcast is we believe that uh, religious identity uh, has an opportunity to exist well beyond faith. And by learning with uh, everyday people doing extraordinary things, we can uh, share together great wisdom and knowledge to ultimately help each of us find greater meaning and purpose in our lives. Uh, just to give you a quick background of me, uh, I am a originally a, uh, from man on the street for a radio station in the Midwest to a concert promoter and media marketing manager to uh, obviously a bartender and surfer dyed hair dyed blonde hair in Australia uh, to now a rabbi who has done some unique things in creating nonprofits and, and now am the CEO at the University of Florida Hillel. So just to give a little background on me. I am currently studying engineering at the University of Florida, and I got my start as a creative uh, with music when I was 10 years old. Music then turned into photography, which became videography, which became a little bit of graphic design here and there, which became today, which is producing a podcast. Um, This is something I've never done before. So it's been a lot of learning as we go along, but having the opportunity to make this sort of my own project in partnership with Adam here has been just a phenomenal experience. I I think if we take what you just said, Logan, and really frame it to our podcast as a whole is it's really about action and moving forward on the things we can control as opposed to focusing on the things we can't control and what are we going to do about it. Uh, We will speak with, uh, we will have interviews with different people from around the globe that will provide us insights into various questions, including our big four, the big four questions, i.e. the four questions podcast. Um, And our first guest today is Mark Roberts Schwartz, who 
does a great job introducing himself, but his focus and how he's built his life and his company really focuses on respecting the universe, which is the essence of who we are trying to be as a podcast, and more importantly, how we hope each of us see each other and our world moving forward. So that'll be today's theme, and let's take it away with Mark Robert Schwartz on the first episode of the Four Questions Podcast. Your background going from uh, television to now owning your own company. Uh, tell us a little bit about that story. I uh, graduated University of Florida and immediately got into local affiliate television. Go Gators. Um, worked for TV stations up and down the East Coast from Maine to Miami. Had 13 addresses from the time I graduated college until the time I bought my first house. And... Um, Right around 2008, I was working for the Villages, massive retirement community here in Central Florida. Bottom fell out of the real estate market and the rest of the economy, and they laid us off. Six months earlier, my wife had taken a buyout from her company, so she had no income. Uh, my boss assured me at the time, hey, you're my guy. As long as I got a job, you got a job. And it didn't really hold out that way. So, you know, here I am at the end of 2008, the worst economy around, can't sell the house, no one's recruiting, you know, six-figure marketing, broadcasting, media guys. And so I had to create something. And we created a, a product called Hometown Health Television, which is a monthly medical program that runs in physicians' offices throughout Lake County. Coming up in the June episode of Hometown Health, it's Men's Health Month. We're focusing on the health concerns that affect men. We'll learn about a rare male cancer diagnosis and its impact. And we'll find out why Kevco Builders President Joe Zeiler is a proud and vocal supporter of Lifestream Behavioral Center. We just celebrated our 100th episode uh, last summer, so we're about 108 episodes. We're the longest-running locally produced program, and Hometown Health gave us a platform to continue to grow into multimedia marketing, video production, advertising services for a handful of clients that range from medical to home construction to not-for-profits, uh, and we are now under the umbrella of Red Apples Media. Red Apples also is an acronym for the core values of the company. So each letter within Red Apple stands for a different core value that I created based on my experience and the kind of company that I wanted to create. Um, one of my greatest challenges is trying to find people who buy into those core values. Uh, they live them the, the way that I do. And, and honestly, most like any other company, you don't always get 100% buy-in and 100% execution in your core values. Um, but Red Apples is an acronym that spells them all out. So what is, as you're thinking about your core values, <laughs> what are your core values? You want me to go through the words for you? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Put me on the spot here. Um, I, we're going to go backwards for a second because because the, the R is, is the most important one. I'll save that one for last. E is excellence in everything, period. And that is that we just we do not take shortcuts. D is deliver on uh, commitments and over-deliver on expectations. A is anticipate clients' needs and opportunities. The P, people are our priorities, relationships drive success. So we suck at sales. Straight up, we suck at sales. We're really good at relationships. Um, profits are a function of integrity, not sales. So it goes back to that whole thing about commitment and integrity. Um, I can sell you something that may not have any particular value to you, and I made the sale, but I didn't really do anything to have a degree of integrity and in understanding what your goals and objectives were. So that's a short-term benefit as opposed to a long-term relationship. L is live for what you love, work to make a difference. Pretty self-explanatory. 
um, we give back about 3% of our um, annual gross profits back into the community in the form of cash, um, sponsorships, pro bono production work, uh, my time emceeing events and things like that. You know, it's truly about... Um, we, you know, you work, you work during the day, you generate the revenue that you do, whatever level of job that you have, and then you determine what it is that you're going to do that, that makes you truly passionate on the, on the things that you truly love um, and truly making a difference. E, extraordinary is defined by actions, not words. Again, pretty self-explanatory. I can tell you that we are the best video production marketing company in the state of Florida. We've got awards to show it. But if I can't deliver a quality product on time for a reasonable amount of money, it doesn't matter how many awards I have. So we're constantly putting our own reputation to the test. And S, solutions always provide more value than no or I can't. And that's really a big one internally for us as well. Um, my team knows that if I ask them to do something or if I've got a question or a challenge, that no or I can't isn't even an option. Like, just dismiss it. The same thing with our clients. You know, it, we, we try to never say no. Going back to the very first one, R in Red Apples, R is respect the universe. And that's really the guiding principle of not only the company, but, but who I am as an individual. Um, it's taken me a really long time to understand that things happen. They happen for a reason. I generally don't know what that reason is, um, but it will eventually prove itself out. And so as, as the company has grown, we have found more and more examples of you know, clients that we really thought we wanted, we didn't get. We were upset about it, and then you know, six months later, they're being investigated by the Federal Trade Commission for Medicare fraud. Um, you know, so things like that, you look at and you say, well, there was a reason. The universe did not want to put us in that position of being you know, vested with this particular client. Um, and I know that's a very simplistic approach, but respecting the universe has really become a very critical component, again, of, of who we are as a company, but who I am as an individual. First of all, I think it's great because it's a it's symbolic, right? The company is Red Apples Media, and we're looking at the core mm -hmm. of the apple. You picked that up. Um, Good for you. And uh, thanks, uh -huh. I did it all by myself. <laughs> yeah, I'm very impressed. Oh, I'm very thank impressed. you. And it's tricky because it's it's not a tangible thing. So you truly have to open up your mind. You have to open up sort of your beliefs and suspend some of those beliefs. And and there are corollaries that go with respecting the universe. You can't time it. You can't beat it. You can't negotiate with it. It happens in the time frame that the universe wants it to happen, which is a very difficult thing to understand at the time that you're not getting what you want in the time frame that you want it to. So then you try to negotiate. Well, let me see. If I'm a really nice guy on Monday, maybe the universe will help me out on Wednesday. It doesn't work that way either. So understanding those pieces of it is is pretty critical as well. And there's some cool stories to go with it, but uh, we'll go into it if you guys want to. Yeah, I, I think as you're, as you're talking about respecting the universe, I think a lot of what the, the questions that will follow up connect with that idea of respecting the universe. Mm -hmm. I think one of the most uh, interesting is as you think about respecting the universe, how do you find inspiration in the world? When the universe plays out in its best possible scenario, um, it gives you an opportunity to step back and understand that it, it doesn't happen in an incubator, if you will. It doesn't happen in an isolated way. Like we all have a role within the universe. We just have a very, very small role. Um, we have very little control in that role, but we all have to contribute to it in some form or another. A lot of what we get hung up on is really, truly very insignificant. You know, it's, uh, what is it? The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Right. Uh, uh, the answer of the universe is 42. 
So <laughs> I was going to say uh, C. Uh, <laughs> so C. there you go. When in doubt, we, put we, C. It, it basically suggests exactly what you're talking about: is that we are in an in an infinite universe. We are specks in the in the space of things. So what, how how do we understand uh, what we actually control and what we don't control? Exactly. And being confident and and, and self aware, because mm-hmm. uh, I think a lot of what you're uh, really expressing is about being self aware and yep. and leading uh, to that uh, self awareness. Um, how would you describe your personality? I think because of the business I'm in, it, it would be fair to say that I have multiple personalities. I have what I would call my onstage personality out in the public. Um, it's you know it's interesting when I'm in a large group setting like a like a gala or something like that as a guest, I'm miserable. Like I hate small talk. I hate you know working the working the group and all that. And um, but if I'm the MC of that event. Uh, you know, flip the switch. I'm on. I'm ready to go. I mean, I'm going to deliver a great event for you. Um, when I'm working with clients, you know, it's there's a certain persona that I think that they want to see and they want to get. I, I think all of it is um, it, it's legitimate. It's genuine. Um, but at the same time, I'm also just just as happy sitting at home. You know, kind of chilling out, relaxing. I've got a very, very small core group of friends. I'm not a big social guy. I don't feel like I need to surround myself with a huge number of people. Um, I'm pretty. Uh, the bar that I have is pretty high of the people that I will consider friends and let them into my universe. Um, and if you can get get over that bar, then have at it. You're in it for the long haul. So as you think about respecting the universe and ultimately those you like to hang out with, uh, what are the characteristics you see within them or kind of generalized are the characteristics you seek out in hanging out with people? Yeah, it comes back to the same theme, and that is that integrity um, and commitments. And if there's, if, if I've got people in my life that I know I can rely on for whatever it is, you know, it could be something as simple as we're, you know, we're going to get together after work and go grab a beer. Uh, but you consistently cancel out on me for kind of mundane reasons. There's not an awful lot of integrity behind that. That's not something somebody you want to call a friend. Um, so I think, you know, people, people who know me very well completely understand my respect the universe mindset. And many of them have come to share it as well, sort of in their own way. Now, some people, and, and, and there's a lot of what I talk about when I, when I talk to groups about the universe, people define it different ways. Some define it as being a religious belief, it's karma, it's luck, it's coincidence, you know, whatever it is, call it whatever you want, but ultimately it's, it's the same thing. So among my friends, some buy into it, but with sort of a religious bend on it. You know, they go to church and, and they're very, um, invested in, in the Bible and the Lord and their pastor and all that kind of stuff. And I don't care. We still ultimately believe that we are a small part of something larger. And while we have a little bit of influence, we don't have an awful lot of influence and you can have sort of these philosophical conversations with those people. Um, the guy that I've been going to these baseball games with for what will be 14 years, uh, this summer, uh, can't tell you how many times he and I have looked at each other and said, there's <laughs> the universe did it again. You know, and he knows exactly. It's you know, it's a terminology. It's it's almost like a language within this, this core group of people. My wife's the same way. My daughter is now starting to understand it. She's sixteen, and you know, she's starting to now truly experience things in life and things that don't go her way. And I'll look at her and I'll go, "You know what this is?" And she's like, "I know. It's the universe. <laughs> and it's exactly what it is." So, so what's your favorite respect the universe story, uh, whether in business, personal? The, the story that really kind of launched the whole thing was a baseball story. I was in, it was 2012, I was in Baltimore uh, visiting a client who's a friend of mine. Um, and I was, I'm, a, I'm an Orioles fan, it's my team. And 
her agency that she represented uh, was the agency for the Orioles. So she got tickets and, and I, you know, she's like, yeah, we're going to go to a game. We had four tickets. And just as we were getting ready to walk out of the office and walk over to the stadium, it started to kind of rain a little bit. It's May. It was still a little bit chilly in Baltimore. It's kind of one of those annoying, misty kind of rains. And she said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to go to the game. Let's go. Well, the two other people that were going to go with us bailed out. So we show up at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. We've got two extra tickets. And I said, well, let's see if we can give them away to somebody. And it's always interesting. If you ever try to give something free to people, like how skeptical they are. And I can't tell you, probably a half a dozen people turned us down. I'm like, we got extra tickets you want. I'm like, no, no, we're good. We're good. You know, they're giving us that look like, don't get any closer to me. <laughs> don't get any closer to me. No, I'm fine. So, exactly. So out of desperation, the, the last move I'll make is I'll kind of linger around the ticket box office where normally there are people who have to buy tickets. And there's a younger couple. They look like they're probably college students. And I walked over to them. I said, look, I got two extra tickets if you guys want them. And they kind of look at each other like, what's the catch? I said, no catch. We got two extra tickets. You're welcome to them. The only thing I ask is that you walk in with us because I've had cases where I've given tickets away to people and then I'm like, I'm pretty sure he's going to go and sell them now. So they're like, yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be great. So the four of us walk into the gates together. We go down to our seats. We're about four rows off of third base. And you could have driven a truck through Camden Yards that night and not hit anybody. I mean, there was nobody at the game. It was early in the season. It was cold. It was rainy. But this couple sat next to us. And I thought, well, that was kind of interesting. I mean, you know, they could have sat pretty much anywhere, but they sat in the seats of the tickets that they were given. And we're getting into a conversation with them, and it turns out they are, in fact, college students. She had been saving for months. It was her, it was her boyfriend's birthday that night, and she wanted to take him to an Orioles game at Camden Yards for his birthday. And by us giving them the tickets, it saved them about $160. And the, and the debate was, do I get him the tickets or do I put new snow tires on my car because my, my tires got destroyed during the winter? So this allowed her that opportunity to go ahead and use that money to buy uh, tires. So we have a good time. We're feeling pretty good about ourselves. My friend Chris and I were high-fiving each other and, and life is good. A couple months later, my buddy Mark and I go on baseball weekend and we're going to go to Pittsburgh and we do this every year and I'm in charge of doing all the legwork for the, the trip. So I picked this particular hotel in Pittsburgh because they had a shuttle to the stadium. We go down to the lobby. We, we pay our, I think it was $5 or something for our tickets for the shuttle. And I like to get there early. I like to watch batting practice. I like to walk around. Mark likes to scout out the food. And, um, and just so there's no confusion, his name is Mark as well. <laughs> just wanna... With a C or a K? With a K. Okay. With a K. Um, yes. Okay. So two completely different people. Exactly. He's, he's not a voice in my head <laughs> with the same name. He's an actual person. So, you did uh, talk about multiple personalities I did. before. I did. So and I, I just want to make sure this isn't this Mark one. business. No, it's an actual person. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's why I wanted okay. to clarify that. This, this is baseball, so, uh, Mark, and this is Red Apple's media business. Exactly. Exactly. So we're, we're down in the lobby of the hotel. We've got our tickets. We're waiting for the shuttle bus. And time is just ticking away, and there's no shuttle bus. Meanwhile, there's more people coming down and they've got their tickets to get on the shuttle bus as well. And I looked at Mark and I said, you know, here's the problem. This bus is going to pull up and there's like 50 people. And I can't imagine there's more than maybe 20 seats. and There's going to be a mad rush. And what am I going to do? Am I going to like block out, you know, women and kids and families and all that? So I said, this is stupid. We went, we got our $5 back. We got in the car. We said, where can we drive and get like mass transit or something like that to get over to the stadium? So we don't have to park at the stadium. The guy behind the counter gave us like these really vague directions. We get in the car, we go down the street, we park in this parking lot. There's people with Pittsburgh, you know, shirts and hats where they're kind of in the right place. We get out of the car, we start following the crowd. We wind up at this kiosk that says ferry boat $15. Now, you know, the, the baseball stadium is right there at, at Three Rivers. And um, I'm like, what, what just happened? He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, $15 for this, for this ferry boat? I thought we were going to hop on like a $2 bus or something like that. And I'm getting really fired up now. So he's like, what do you want to do? I'm like, well, we're going to miss the game. He says, all right, so let's do it. So we pay our 15 bucks, we get on the boat, and we sit. 
and we sit, and we sit. And I can look across the water, and I can see the damn stadium is right there. And I am doing this slow burn. Like, I feel the blood pulsing in my, in my neck, and my leg is tapping, and my foot is tapping, and I am just getting pissed off. And my buddy Marky goes, relax. It's the universe. I said, shut up. <laughs> you don't get to play the universe card with me. You take that, you put that back in your pocket. Don't tell me this is the universe. This is just stupid. <laughs> so meanwhile, the ferry boat eventually leaves. It drops us off at this little dock area, which is the furthest place you could get from where the ticket booth is. And we still have to buy tickets on top of everything else. I'm like, are you kidding me? And so we're getting off. I'm like, where, where, like, how do we get to where the tickets are? And the guy says, well, there's a ticket booth up right up the hill. We get there and it's literally like a phone booth. It's like a single ticket booth. There's one person behind there who has physical tickets. And they said, no, nope, so I don't have any here. You got to go around to like the home plate side, all the way around the other side of the stadium, go buy your tickets. And I'm fuming. I am absolutely fuming. And, and I said, well, let's hang out here. and Maybe we can buy some tickets from somebody. So he goes off one way. I go off another way. And we're waiting and we're waiting. And all of a sudden, I see this guy hold up two tickets. And he goes up to this cute girl. And she kind of waves him off. No big deal. I went up to him. I said, hey, what do you got? So I got two tickets. I said, how much you want for me? He goes, I don't know. Somebody gave them to me. And we got two extras because a couple of buddies bailed on us at the last second. You're welcome to them. But you got to walk in with us. And I just kind of looked at him. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah. So the guy that gave him to us said that whoever we give him to, make sure they walk in with us because we don't want you scalping them. I call Mark over. I'm like, we got tickets. He's like, really? So these guys walk in. We walk in right behind them. And they're probably, I don't know, 15 feet in front of us. And I'm telling Mark what he said. He goes, that's crazy. We're walking. We're following them. We're walking. We're following them. We go over to our section. We are fourth row off a of third base. Probably if it was the same stadium overlaid each other, probably eight seats from where we had been in Baltimore <laughs> back in May. And I looked at that and I said to him, that's the universe. And then so you start to kind of backtrack all the things that happened to get us to that point, And it starts to make you wonder, like, had we taken the shuttle, we probably never would have found these guys. You know, had the boat not sat there, the ferry not sat there for as long as it did, who knows when we would have actually made that connection with those guys. Had they not been sold out at that kiosk, we never would have been looking for these tickets. But the universe brought us back to almost the exact same place that we started back in Baltimore five months earlier. You know, what's fascinating about this is... Is how long it took for me to tell it? <laughs> uh, don't, don't there get... are multiple facets <laughs> of this story. No, the, uh, is that it's all, it, it's centered around baseball. And, and Mark and I are both uh, big baseball fans. And baseball is one of the few sports that it really is a game of, of milliseconds and uh, small, mm -hmm. small uh, inches. How do you translate your ideas of, of what religion means to you or spirituality means to you in this idea of, of your core values? So faith and spirituality. I mean, those are the two words I use all the time. Um, it, what, what has been a challenge for me is I'm not a particularly religious person. Um, I tell core values suggest otherwise. Well, no, what they, what they suggest, I think, is spirituality and faith. Um, they don't necessarily align themselves with a specific religious belief. And, and I'm constantly looking for references within, you know, within the Torah, within the, you know, within the Shabbat uh, um, book to, to try to find what are the correlations between the universe. Now, I get it. You know, God created the universe and you know, rested and all that good stuff. But I'm trying to find those, those pieces that connect my belief in the universe to my Judaism as well. It's not something I get hung up on necessarily. Um, I, I regard 
my Judaism more as part of my my culture, my background, my identity, my DNA, um, where my belief in the universe is sort of a more spiritual um, guiding principle on how I how I live my life, and very often they can overlap each other. And this is really the essence of what we're trying to to accomplish here in, mm-hmm. in the Four Questions podcast is. This idea that religion, that, that religion as a whole is sometimes boxed in to this idea of faith mm-hmm. and that religion is so much more, including everything that's found in your uh, in your core values right. is that uh, taking that time to intellectually stimulate yourself, to take that time to actually understand your purpose and value and how you impact a community. Faith is one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, taking time to understand your physical and emotional well-being, uh, your, uh, your love of family and friends, and you talk about mm-hmm. how do you bring people close and who are those people and how right. do you uh, connect with those people. So I could, we couldn't agree with you more and how do we uh, help individuals and I think these core values are, are, are are essential to that, uh, understand that you can live a value religious life Mm -hmm. without necessarily calling it a specific dogma, but connecting with it on such a bigger level. Right. That's powerful. I would agree with that. I appreciate you, you that. You hit the nail on the head. That, that, I appreciate that. Uh, and I appreciate you not mi- uh, mixing up metaphors, which I traditionally do. Uh, well, and, and, and I would also just point out that anytime you can incorporate the word dogma into anything, I mean, that's a good day right there. Powerful statement. So it's with that, we move to the big four. The four questions. Regardless of what our guests are coming on our show to talk about, we ask these same four questions to each guest to hopefully uncover wisdom and knowledge that can hopefully help all of us find a deeper meaning and a greater purpose in our lives. So what does living a balanced life mean to you and how do you accomplish it? I'm horrible at it. I really am. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a workaholic. I'm driven. I, I spread myself way too thin. Um, but I generally feel pretty good about it. Uh, you know, I'm not one of those, I don't play golf. I don't, you know, I don't have like any real (laughs) discernible hobbies. Um, like, you know, some people do. So really I find the, um, I love working in the yard. It drives my wife crazy. So I'll like go on. I'll go out on a Saturday when it's like a hundred degrees outside, and I'll work in the yard all day long to the point of absolute exhaustion. She'd be like, "Why did you do that to yourself?" Because like, I find that relaxing. I find it I, like I accomplished something. I can look at the end of the driveway at the giant pile of debris that I, you know, cut this and pulled that and shredded this, and there it is. And I can I feel accomplishment. Um, but I'm lousy at balance. I really am. I think I'm getting better at it. I think I think age and wisdom is helping me a little bit. Um, I wish I had a better answer, but I, I'm, I'm bad at it. I, I think that's a great answer. It goes into yeah, finding balance is difficult. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt it's challenging. I think uh, that, that's one of the struggles we all have. And I think if you're thinking about uh, the difficulty in balance uh, and thinking about the 11 components that are sitting in front of you, mm-hmm. which one most resonates with you and why? Um, yeah, you know, I, you were kind enough to share these with me ahead of time and I looked, through, I looked through them and, and I, they kind of all resonated with me at a different level, but I kept coming back to faith. Um, and again, that, that comes from a combination of things. I mean, I do feel myself getting a little bit more Jewish as I get, as I get a little bit older, I'm kind of reconnecting again when, when, you know, when we had our kid, um, you know, now we're doing baby, baby namings and she got bat mitzvahed and I've been to Israel twice with, with you guys now. And she's already thinking about when she going to get, when she going to get to go. Um, you know, as, as I told, 
many people, I'm a holiday Jew at best, um, but I don't think that necessarily interferes with, with who I believe I am as a Jew. Um, but I think the faith really comes from a larger, a larger place, and that is that spirituality. It's that understanding and respecting and constantly being tuned into the universe and the messages that we're sending. Um, somebody taught me very early on. I went through a really tough time. I got, I got uh, fired from a job right as our, our uh, baby was going to get born, and I was really stressed out. And, and I got involved with this organization, and, and they were telling me about um, airplane radar. He says, you know how airplane radar works? I said, no, I have no idea. Why are you asking me this question? And he said, well, basically the radar sends out a signal. It hits the signal and the same exact signal bounces back. Like it doesn't matter what it hits. Doesn't matter if it hits another jumbo jet. Doesn't matter if it hits a control tower. Doesn't matter if it hits a little private plane. It's the same exact signal. So the question is, what signals are you giving out and how are they bouncing back at you? So if everybody you talk to can hear in your voice how pissed off you are that you got fired from this job, um, you're going to get that back from them whether you realize it or not. So I think kind of being tuned into those types of things, um, you know, back to the balance thing real quickly. I think one of the things that's changed for me a lot is, I, you know, I, I was a pretty like high energy, almost borderline hot tempered. Um, I think I've mellowed. I think I've kind of found balance in that. I'll take a step back. I'll try to evaluate things a little bit. Definitely having a kid has impacted me on that as well because I, I try to be much more conscious of how I react to situations, knowing that she is reading everything, reading the body language, reading the words, reading the tone, um, reading the reaction time. Um, so she's kind of become my little sounding board, if you will, to make sure that I'm not sending off that wrong radar signal that she's eventually going to bounce back at me again. She'll play the universe card on me and, you know, someday like my buddy Mark did. Um, and that will probably be somewhere between a proud moment and, you know, want to just turn around and walk away from her at that point. So, <laughs> so you, you mentioned this a little bit, but I'm going to, uh, ask anyway, how do you best embody that characteristic of faith in your own life? Um, you know, it's, uh, I think it's, 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 I would imagine it's what's like, what it's like to be an alcoholic. I, I, I'm not one. I don't know anyone who is. I've certainly, you know, been involved in working with some clients that specialize in that area. I think it's just a constant hyper awareness of the potential of when I stray from that place. Like I know that there are times where I'll just get overwhelmed and I'll be in my own little kind of dark place. And I'll, I'll even say to my wife, I'm just, I'm in a bad place right now. I can feel it. I can sense it. I have to be very, very cautious and careful of the words I use and how I respond to situations when I know that I'm in that kind of place. Um, so being conscious of that and always trying to move yourself back in again, you know, that, that alcoholic analogy is it's like walking into a big party. Now there's a difference between walking into a big party that might have a bar as opposed to going out with a bunch of people because they're going out for drinks on Friday night. Like you're, you're altering the situation you're in and the intensity of that situation. So for me, it's a matter of being constantly keenly aware of what happens when I stray from that place of faith, when I stray from trusting the universe, when I try to beat it, time it, negotiate with it, it always, always backfires. So what's one piece of advice you would offer to those uh, seeking greater balance in their lives? Logan, you want to answer that question? Respect the universe. Amen, brother. <laughs> So you, uh, I didn't so, get that. I didn't so get that through to, this conversation. You, you need to kind of give a little background on that as, as to how and why you know this. Oh, I, I, I will definitely. Um, so I, just a, a quick side. So, um, so the way Mark and I know each other is um, we met a year and a half, almost two years ago. 
Uh, I was going on. I was going to Israel for the very first time uh, on a birthright trip, and Mark was one of the staff members uh, on the trip. Uh, it was him and Chelsea. Both of them were fantastic and really helped. I think facilitate a really great experience for not only myself but for all forty plus of us that were there. Birth birthright trips are are uh, purposely uh, done so that way um, you spend at least one weekend there, and therefore you get to celebrate Shabbat together as a group. And and so Mark sort of got up in front of the entire group. This was, I would say, at the point when most of us didn't really know um, who he was. He had been a little bit more reserved at the very beginning of the trip, and then this was uh, he he began to lead us through um, through a very untraditional Shabbat, and and he gave us this uh, this wonderful. Um, it was almost like a TED talk. It was it felt so well prepared, um, and all about respecting the universe and how. Essentially, um, and he kind of alluded to this with his radar analogy, kind of what you put out into the world comes back to you. Um, but if you're putting things out into the world expecting that to come back to you, then then you're not doing it for the right reasons, which goes back to his whole thing about integrity. And I think that that resonated personally with me a lot and that I started incorporating that a little bit into my life. So um, I'm better today because of my relationship with Mark. So thank you very much. I, I would be very shocked if Mark didn't. I love how you say it was like a TED Talk in the sense that it felt, you know, uh, that, that it was prepared. Um, what Logan did say is Mark actually brought a PowerPoint presentation, uh, went through <laughs> each and every slide. <laughs> I actually incorporated sock puppets for them. <laughs> It was phenomenal. So I reenacted the baseball scene using sock puppets. Yes, yes, I, I, yes. I, and that was and that was the first time that uh, that that we heard the baseball. Yeah. Story. Yes, yes. So there's baseball, PowerPoints, sock puppets. Of course. I cannot. I, I mean, uh, it's. I mean, it's kind of small community theater um, on the big stage. Yeah, and my mom makes the costumes. <laughs> That's good. She's listening, or will be listening. For those That's you, the important for those part. Those listening, yes, we are in this costume. <laughs> Thank you, Mark's mom. Um, but, I don't know if mine fits. But look, but you know, so kidding aside, I mean, it means it means so much to me to hear to hear Logan echo that back again after almost two years. Um, and you know, there's there's a core group of probably about a half a dozen from that trip that I still stay in pretty close touch with. And the very last night. Uh, we did this exercise where everybody started with a sheet of paper and we kind of passed around the circle and everybody got to write a little something about what meeting them meant and all kinds of little stuff like that. And every single person got the same exact thing from me and probably about 10 people in, they started like, Hey man, is that all you're going to write for everybody? Like, yeah, respect the universe, uncle Mark. And that was it. I mean, it was just, it was just a simple statement. I can't force it on people. I don't try to, it's not like some religion that I'm trying to preach. I'm not out there on the quad serving food, you know, trying to get people to buy into it. But I think once you start to open people's minds to it and they start to see examples of it only because they are open to it, that those light bulbs start going off for them and they start to realize. Yeah. What I'm, what I'm hearing in the sense of respect the universe and, and it really goes back to really the core values as a whole is uh, live what you preach. Um, this idea that, um, you know, if you are open to understanding your limit, uh, your limited ability to control the universe that's around you, mm -hmm. but the things you can control is having integrity, mm -hmm. being a good person, yep. um, anticipating people's needs, um, uh, solving problems as opposed to uh, turning away from problems. Yep. What, what you find is you live a more purpose, more meaningful, uh, uh, more deliberate uh, lifestyle, which right. leads to to to, to greater uh, connection and, and better fulfillment sure. in a world that, that many times is complex and unknowable as the universe is. Yep. 
And that, that, that's powerful. I like to think so. I, 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 live I would it. agree with you. I live it, so hopefully I'm not living something that's not. I, I think live your purpose is, I think, really powerful, and that that's really what I get when you talk about respecting the universe and mm-hmm. all your core values is you know, live what you preach because it's uh, that that's what you hold on to, and that's how other people are going to uh, to see you. And so that's powerful. And I appreciate that. What are up to five must-read books that have had the most impact on your career life and experience? Yeah, so I'm not a, I'm not a huge book reader as much as I would like to, and the ones that I read tend to be more for entertainment value. You know, would like you I, rather like, Audible? Not that they're a sponsor yet. No, no, no. But um, <laughs> no. When, well, actually, kidding. I mean, when I say that, I like I read two newspapers every day. I read you know three monthly magazines. Uh, that's where my, You're that's where my reading is being done. Yes. Um, and when I do read, you know, I read like a John Grisham book or something, just total escapism. Okay. Um, there, so there's there's one book that had a very profound impact on my life, and it was back during my television days. And it was a book written by Brandon Tartikoff. Now, Brandon Tartikoff was the director of programming, the, the president of programming for NBC in its heyday. You know, back in the day of must see TV and and Hill Street Blues, and and he was a big part of when like I got in, I got enthralled with the idea of television programming. And that's kind of what led me down the direction of getting into TV when I went to college. Um, so Tartikoff was kind of my idol. I had the chance to meet him uh, probably about three years into my career at a conference. And I brought that book with me. And uh, I went up to him and, and, you know, as much courage as I could possibly muster. And he looked at the book. He goes, oh, you're the one that bought it. <laughs> it's called it's called the Last Great Ride, and um, and it's all about sort of how he rebuilt NBC and and told some phenomenal stories. There's a great story in there about a conversation he had with Stephen Bochco, who was the who was the producer of Hill Street Blues at the time. Um, but he wrote inside the book, um, "Keep up the great traditions of create creativity and promotions, and someday I'll say I knew the man when." Huh. Sincerely, Brandon Tartikoff. And what I did was I, I made a, a you know a color copy of the cover and a color copy of that page, and I framed it. I've got the original book, but the frame is kind of what's on display. Um, and that was always very meaningful to me because it kind of took the guy that first sort of really got me to get inspired and passionate about television. I got to meet him, and he sort of, you know, I'm sure he was just being a nice guy at the time. Um, he passed away from um, uh, lymphoma, and and it, that hit me hard. You know, it was kind of like. The guy was gone, and um, but that was so. The last great ride by Brandon Tartikoff. Um, there was a book called "The Art of Racing in the Rain" huh. um, by a writer by the name of Garth Stein, uh, and I just learned last night that they're making it into a movie right now. It's in production, um, and and it's it, it's kind of a strange. It's a strange story. It's narrated from the voice of the dog in the story, um, and it's really, really very cool. But there is a very core lesson in the book. Um, the guy's a race car driver, as you could well imagine from the from the name, um, and he talks about that if you are if you are racing and you start to go into a spin and you're headed to the wall, if you look at the wall, you're going to hit the wall. The trick is to look away from the wall, and that really resonated with me. Is just sort of like when you look at some of the challenges that you face, um, some of the things that draw us into conflict. You know, if you look at it from the standpoint of this is going to cause conflict, it will create conflict. As opposed to if you look away from it, is it really that big of a deal? Um, you know, something I do with my daughter a lot is, "How's your day?" and she'll just absolutely unload, unload, and I'll let her go for a while, and I'll say to her. Do you want me to respond or are you just sort of getting this off your chest? Like, how do you want me to deal with this right now? Because if I get sucked into starting to respond to the things, very often that will just spiral into a bigger crash than if I just let her go and do her thing. And, Mm -hmm. 
<clears throat> so The Art of Racing in the Rain by Garth Stein. And then really my Bible is a book called The Go-Giver by um, Bob Berg. And uh, I got turned on to The Go-Giver a couple of years ago. I was, I was at a lunch meeting um, when I had just first started the company. And I was talking to this, uh, it was a boyfriend-girlfriend at the time. He was a chiropractor and his girlfriend was the um, office manager. And, um, and we're talking and she goes, you read the book. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. What book are we talking about? She goes, there's a book called The Go-Giver. You've read that, right? And I said, I don't, never heard of it before. She goes, I'm listening to how you're talking and how you present like who you are and your business and what you want to do for us. And I thought for sure you read the book. So of course I had to go get this book. Um, the Go-Giver is based on a principle that, you know, we're all raised, like, we're like which of our parents didn't raise us to be go-getters? You know, that Logan, he's a go-getter. He's producing his own podcast now. He's going to be running Hillel any day now. He's a go-getter. <laughs> Right? And so, that was the day that Adam began his way out. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, so we're raised to be go-getters. Like, you see it? Go get it. Go after it. Well, this book completely changes that dynamic and suggests don't go get anything. Give as much as you can, and everything will eventually come back to you. And there's five principles of the go-giver. Uh, go um, and, and, and it all kind of comes back to that whole universe concept. Um, when I start to move into one of those dark places I was talking about earlier... I'll pull my copy of the Go-Giver out and I'll just reread it again. And it's pretty quick. It's, you know, we were joking earlier. It's like a five bathroom sitting kind of book. You can probably get through it in, you know, five, five sittings. Depends how many times you go. Depends on what you have <laughs> How many dinner. days it does. Depends on what you ate. Depends on what you How much fiber's in your diet. I don't know. But it's a quick read. It is phenomenal. I give copies away to a lot of people. Okay. Um, I'm waiting for my copy. I did. I brought, I brought one with me. Oh. Nice. I did. How yeah. about it? I did. Hmm. And I and I have there to. There will be a fight in the middle. And I, yes, and I, it's almost. And of course, you know, I have to mention my now published, although unavailable to the general public, six hands. Mm. So there yes. you go. There's Sh four. Shout out to my there, wife. There's four. If you can create five, uh, I've always heard it is if you can buy, if you can uh, find five great friends in your life, mm -hmm. five great relationships in your life, then you mm -hmm. have uh, lived a fulfilling life. Yep. And I think it goes with that idea of six, six people, um, six hands. Uh, have you, have you created those six relationships that last a lifetime? Yep. And that's, uh, that's, beautiful i think what a what an amazing opportunity to have you in the studio my pleasure uh, and uh your story's powerful thanks powerful i feel uh i feel inspired now good we just really appreciate your sharing your thought uh thought-provoking uh ideas uh on spirituality faith values and and most certainly the universe amen mark it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast with us in the studio um and uh I just want to let everybody else know, uh, all the listeners out there, that if you have a um, that if you have a question um, related to maybe a topic we discussed today, maybe it's a question for Mark or for one of us, um, you can tweet at us at Four Questions Cast. That's the number four Questions Cast, and I want you to also t uh, hashtag your question, hashtag the number four Questions Cast, or hashtag Four QP. Uh, we'll read through those questions uh, in the coming weeks and uh, answer it on a future episode um, in the intro and or outro of the show. Um, so, uh, Mark, if anybody wants to learn a little bit more about you, a little bit more about your production company, uh, call my mom. 
Call his mom. Um, the phone number is. <laughs> uh, they, you can also you order can, your puppet, uh, your puppets your sock as well. Puppets, yes, sure. very exciting. Um, yeah, RedApplesMedia.com. Apples is plural. RedApplesMedia.com is our website. Uh, we're also on YouTube. Um, we also have a Facebook page, Red Apples Media Facebook, and then without going into more detail, we also have um, Lake Sumter TV on Facebook is is one of our uh, sister properties. Okay, wonderful. Thank um, you very much, Mark. The uh... and catch me all summer long with Springsteen. <laughs> <laughs> all right, awesome. Live and on tour, Mark and, and Springsteen. Springsteen. <laughs> Mark, thanks again for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. You know, Mark, Mark brings up a lot of good points, and, and I think his idea of respect the universe focuses on this idea of, of faith. And, and some people look at faith in a secular context, like I think what Mark was expressing. Some people would call that coincidence. Some people might call it superstition. Others who uh, are traditional religiouses might call it God. Uh, regardless of how one sees that faith— Faith in and of itself is a belief in something we cannot see or feel, but that can have a profound impact on our beliefs and our actions. And and here's the thing, right? I I understand his his viewpoint of respecting the universe, but you know, here's where here's where I'm challenged. Because he he goes through a very lengthy explanation of a sequence of events that that happen and he only finds out that at the end of it all, that it seems like these events all happened for a reason. And then he talked about another example of how he was waiting for a deal to get done or how it's frustrating when you are trying to get what you want but don't have it or it's not happening in the time frame that you want it to happen. And where do you draw the line between believing that it's all going to work out or that the universe has a greater purpose or the fact that you have to take action, take the initiative to go make those things happen? That's yeah. my question. Yeah, I, I think that's a great question. I think that's, isn't that in, in and of itself the challenge, right? Is if we are looking at it as um, there's a reason behind it, good or bad, negative or positive, that that offers us this sense of greater purpose, um, this sense of hope um, that things can either be better or things can be worse. Uh, worse. Um, what you just talked about, this, this idea of you're looking at it in the past and saying, oh, well, that was me looking at the universe and the universe told me to do this, but I'm now analyzing it. So is it the universe that's actually doing it or my own personal analysis that is expressing that this is what led me to that idea? Exactly, because in in my opinion on this is that because I think that it's just based solely on our analysis after the fact, that it's more uh, that I guess I'd be aligned with somebody who thinks of it more as coincidence at times. And I say that I've 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 been applying the as the whole aspect of respecting the universe a little bit more in my life because I do understand that a lot of times that the faith aspect is just something that is a drive for people and that sometimes sometimes having an overarching view while still understanding that that uh, that things sometimes do just happen um, that they could be random but the universe could be just like I said, our analysis becomes what we perceive as this universe or this greater purpose that blends all of these seemingly random events or decisions together into a, a life path, if you will. 
if we believe in the mystery, regardless of whether we call it coincidence, um, regardless of whether we call it faith, regardless of whether we call it the universe, there is a sense that we, we have to have a faith in something or a belief or trust in something that we cannot see. Um, some people say it's science. Do we have something deep within us that says there's a mystery that exists that we can't explain and that at its core is providing us a sense of purpose that allows us to go beyond um, what we think we're able to do, regardless of whether it's belief or action. Um, but I think you touched on it before is this idea of what is, what is our, how do we use the belief set and the, the trust in the mystery and use that to impact our actions in a positive way? Okay. I mean, I, that that makes sense. Like like I get that. I do. All in all, that's where I that's where I feel challenged on this concept. But I think that there's merit to 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 both sides to viewing it as as an external force that guides things, or as a or just as a um, a manifestation of our beliefs in why things happen the way they do. And I think that it's pretty interesting, right? You talk about the concept of the human condition, the fact that we're like the 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 only beings that we know of that have the ability to not only think about the world around us, but also think about how we think about the world around us. That's a, that's a, that's a powerful statement. Um, and that, that, yeah, speechless. Um, we want to at times control everything. I can tell you, I do not want to control being a, a, a plane, right? I would rather a pilot control the plane. I would rather sit and trust the fact, even though I can't see the pilot, I don't know if things are going well or not. I, I'm putting my faith in the pilot that I'm going to get from point A to point B without any issue. Um, no, but I, but I, but I see what you're, what you're saying is that you're, you're illustrating examples of everyday scenarios in which case we are forced to put I guess you could call it faith, right? Yes, technically, because we're not flying the plane, as you say, you know, go, when you go from, you know, and you fly from Florida to New York, you know, it take, you know, it's, it's a marvel that it only takes two and a half hours, but you're trusting somebody who has an expert training in those skills to operate that aircraft. Um, and because if they don't, it's not like you can control it because you don't possess that knowledge. So you're tr- you are putting faith and trust into other people in that scenario. Absolutely. And I think what else, and if people don't feel comfortable with the word faith, I think this idea of trust or belief and something we cannot see is so essential. It allows me to understand what I can control and what I don't control and allows me to make a greater impact in the world, allowing me to create better relationships with the individuals I care for and, and look to ultimately build more meaningful relationships with those I've just met. It allows me the opportunity to understand what can I learn, what can I not learn? Uh, how am I going to act in our world? We don't have the control of whether or not um, uh, the, the, the pilot's going to make it uh, from Florida to New York. We don't have the control of what another person on the road is going to do when they're driving a car. We don't have control of another person's actions and how they interpret our actions, even though we might not mean anything by our actions negatively, another person might interpret it as negative. Or mis- or misinterpret our or misinterpret intentions. It. Exactly. And we don't know the background of the other person to understand why they interpreted in that manner. Exactly. So 
that where I look at the, the whole idea of the universe is get in, in many capacities getting out of our own mind and assumptions as though what is existing in our world is exactly how we see it. Uh, should I be kind or should I be unkind? I, I hope we're all kind. <laughs> but second that. Second I, that. I, I second that. Um, but that, that it gets out of that piece and forces us to say, no, we are specks. We are such small entities in this universe, but we have an opportunity to do an extraordinary impact by controlling what we control. And, and that to me is what's beautiful about the universe is not so much... Where, where Mark, I think, where, where it was powerful is he couldn't control that he was going to get tickets at the end of the day. He couldn't control that the boat was uh, the best way to get there. He couldn't control the price. He couldn't control where the tickets were and where they weren't. Uh, the box office on one side versus the other side. What he could control was how was his reaction in the situation and understanding that if we just believe that there is an opportunity and a mystery that allows us to be present in our world. The opportunities and what opens up are so much more than when we're closed off from that. That makes a lot of sense. And like I said, I think it ties the really ties the whole thing together. And that's where I'm like, that's where I'm like meeting this whole concept halfway of like the universe sort of reflecting back based on our worldviews, uh, based which are influenced by the people we surround ourselves with, which are influenced by the way we were raised, where we grew up, um, and ultimately how we see the world. Know that every guest recommends books on the show. Sometimes we'll talk about those books, sometimes we won't. You can go directly to our website and see those books and purchase those if you want directly from our site, as well as leaves off with a very important question. Mark's question was... One of the best ways to truly understand how somebody is wired and, and what they're made of is to is to challenge them on understanding a challenge that they had to face. Tell us about a challenge you experienced when you were a manager. So tell us about the challenge. Tell us what made it challenging. Tell us how you approached resolving the challenge and tell us what the end result was. So if, if, you, have a, if you have a response uh, to to Mark's question and want to get a chance to have your response featured on the show, uh, please send us an email. You can send it to contact, the word contact, at thefourquestions.org. And in that email, you can send a text response or feel free to send us a voice memo. You can record one on your cell phone and, and email us that file directly. We would love to have the chance to feature some of your responses in the introduction in a future episode and get a chance to hear some additional thoughts uh, on your uh on your interpretation of the idea of respecting the universe. For additional ways to get in touch with us, you can find us on social media, or as Adam calls it, the social medias, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our pages are four questions cast. That's the number four questions cast. Feel free to tweet at us, hashtag your tweet with the number four questions cast or the number four QP. So that's hashtag four questions cast, hashtag four QP. So we can get an idea of what you thought of the show and any additional thoughts you would like to bring, any ideas for how we can make the show better. We're always looking for ways to improve to provide the best possible experience for you, our listeners. We thank you so much for tuning in today and really appreciate your time and look forward to producing some even better episodes in the future. And we look forward to continuing the dialogue. Looking forward to continuing the dialogue. <laughs>